Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. There's been one demand, and that's holding up that Lombardi trophy, period. That's all I care about is holding that trophy up and holding that trophy up here. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. You're listening to The State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, and Ted Nguyen on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of State of the Nation post-game edition after the Raiders' 30-29 to loss to the Kansas City Chiefs on Monday Night Football. They fall to 1-4, and four, a game they had opportunities late in this game to win. Um, so much to get to, so much to talk about in this game. Obviously, just the piss-poor officiating. Um, both sides, I mean, like, both teams are going to walk away from this game just being absolutely furious with the level of officiating and we're going to get into all that we're going to get into Devonte adams the postgame incident um he obviously apologized for shoving a cameraman um but uh you know we'll see we'll see what could happen there but we're going to start with josh mcdaniel's decision to go for the two-point conversion the raiders score a touchdown that presumably was going to tie the game up with about four and a half minutes to play and they decide to go for a two-point conversion which i mean i didn't hate the aggression there trying to take the lead uh, ultimately, I, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, w- what happens if if they tie that game? Do the Chiefs on their on their fourth down, which I was I was shocked. I don't know about you guys. I was shocked the Chiefs did not go for it on their fourth and three that could have put the game away. You know, maybe if it's tied, they do. But what's our take on Josh McDaniels trying to take the lead with four and a half minutes to go? I was fine with the call. I liked the aggression actually to do go for it in Arrowhead, and you know, I, I know the conversation is oh you know why do it with that much time left on the clock but ultimately at the end of the day even if you stop them even if you don't you just make the extra point you still need to stop them whether or not you have a one point lead or it's a tie game you still have to stop them and you know Mina Kimes timed up the three possibilities of what could have happened if they convert you get maximum aggression from KC offense coming in that's not a great situation to be in. You tie the game, there's less aggression, and OT is likely. And if you don't convert, you get the least aggression from the offense, which is what the Raiders got. And they ultimately got a stop, and they got a chance to win the game at, at, at the end. So to me, I, I, I like the call, but you know, obviously uh, it didn't work out then, even though they had a pretty good shot at, at winning with the last-minute drive. But I, I like that aggression in Arrowhead where we know that the Raiders have been, you know, it's been like a horror show there for the Raiders. I didn't like it at all. And I don't really understand. Like, all of a sudden, like, overtime is like a, a bad word. Nobody wants to play overtime. I thought. Not against Patrick Mahomes, man. He, do you, you, you see that playoff game last year? <laughs> you still got to stop him to get overtime. Exactly. So there's 427 left. So you got to stop him either way. You need to stop either way. So why not have a tie behind you? Why? Risk shifting. You have all momentum going for you. You scored. The crowd's silent. 
you kick the extra points, tie it up. You still have momentum, but not getting it. And all of a sudden, you've lost whatever momentum you had. The crowd is like, oh, we're, back. we're still going to win the game. And so you, you have to stop them and then score again, as opposed to having to stop them and, and be rewarded by overtime. So I don't understand. I get it. If it's less time, I think it's a great call. I love aggression. I love the fourth and one call earlier in the game. But to me, 427 left. Uh, I just think it's way too much time to totally say it's all or nothing right now. Let's, let's try and win the game here because you're not winning the game here. To me, it's a risk that there was no need to take it at, th- at that point in the game. You know, it's a 50 50 call, but Josh Daniels, when asked about it, you know, he said, you know, in that situation, you know, they had a lot of momentum offensively, which basically means we couldn't get a stop, which was the case. I mean, they. The Chiefs have scored on five consecutive possessions. And so McDaniel's like, hey, basically, you know, we can't stop them. Let's try to win this game because I don't have confidence that we're going to get any stops at all. Ironically, they end up getting a stop and, and forcing them to punt. But let's say they convert and the Chiefs are down one. They're probably going for it on fourth and three. You know, it doesn't guarantee that they get it there. But there's a scenario where this plays out with the Raiders winning in, in regulation at the end of all of this. And so it was a fine play call. I mean, Josh Jacobs was running like a madman today. We'll talk more about that later. But. They fed the hot hand, their best player in this game. And the only tweak I probably would have made is I would have liked the uh, – I know we had a story recently about this on The Athletic, but, like, get under center and hand the ball off, man. Like, why are we doing these shotgun runs from the one-yard line? Like, you're already – you're close. You make yourself further away and just make it tougher on the safety shot the gap. And Jacobs basically said he couldn't really do anything with it, and he, he saw him closing in. And so that was my only tweak would, would be, you know, getting under center instead of doing the shotgun run. But – you know, I think it's a fine call. Like, it didn't lose them the game, obviously. They, they got to stop and had another chance to go get it. And so I'm more so looking ahead to what happened on that drive than, than that decision. All right, well, let's talk about the final drive, the Raiders' opportunity to go win the game. And for a minute there, it looked like they were going to be in field goal range. There's a sideline catch that Devontae Adams hauls in. Replay show. He gets it with one hand. He kind of bobbles it. When he got it with the first hand, he had both feet down. There's the bobble. I know he made the argument in, in the locker room that even though he, the other hand moved, like that the, the ball didn't move, that um, he didn't think it was a bobble. He thought it was a catch. I thought pretty clearly. I mean, I, I thought they got the call correct on replay that it, it was an incompletion, that there was a bobble there. And if he hauls that in, I mean, we're probably talking about a Raiders win here because uh, we know how automatic Daniel Carlson's been. And then the fourth down play. Um, we don't have any kind of explanation. Uh, maybe we'll get a better one as the week goes on as to how the hell uh, Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro end up colliding. But that's going to be just one of those frustrating things that I mean, had maybe a decent play dialed up. I don't know. I mean, I think we all would like to you know, have seen what could have happened if, if we don't have those two guys collide. I was going to say, I asked Devontae Adams about it after the game, and he said he couldn't see. And you watched the replay. I mean, his head, you know, he released inside running the go route, and his head was down. And then the second he looked up is when Hunter Infra was running into him. And, you know, Hunter, you know, he was looked like he was running the out route um, based on the, the little play dot with, with next-gen stats and, and the replay. Um, and so it, it seems like, you know, McDaniels didn't really address it specifically. Obviously, he said that was a mistake. They weren't supposed to be in the same spot. But it, it seems like, you know, Hunter Renfro might have cut in outside a, l- a little too deep into his route because clearly Devontae Adams didn't expect him to be there. And he was running a go route. So there was no it wasn't a, uh, at first I thought he might have been running an in route or a crossing route or something of that nature. But he was just running a go route. And so Hunter Renfro maybe was a high low concept where he's supposed to suck defense underneath and then Devontae gets open over, over, over the top, which 
happened earlier in the game on the fourth and one that they had. Um, their first touchdown, actually, the 58 yard yarder to Devontae, um, was kind of a similar play. Did he say it was a go route? I mean, you could. I, I looked at the on next gen. He like inside released into a go route. And looking at it from over the top, he was he just ran he ran straight. The only thing is, if it was a go route, his release was pretty far inside for for a go route, which would kind of screw up the spacing for the play. And you know, maybe the corner was just being ultra aggressive. It wasn't a double move because, like, you, you look him. He just does his his patented kind of hop release at the line of scrimmage, and he just hopped inside, really far inside, and then he he didn't get upfield as fast as you want to, too. So looking at it, I thought it was, it might have been Adams. Fault, and I thought the corner just did a good job. But I mean, you don't know until unless you really know the plays. And are we sure that uh, the ball gets to one of those guys? Because the way that they, it was a zero blitz, so Carr kind of had dropped back and kind of threw the ball, up, you know, lobbed it up off his back foot. So uh, are we sure that one of those guys would have got to where that ball was going? It would have had to have been Adams because he was the one running the, the go route. Renfro was going outside, so he was throwing it to where he thought Adams was going to be if he didn't, you know, get taken out by Renfro or if he took out Renfro, however you want to word it. Uh, it looked like it might have been overthrown based on like how far ahead he threw it and when he released it, but I don't know. Maybe Adams lays out and gets it, but we'll never know because they ran into each other, which obviously wasn't meant to happen there. Go back in the play calling because I didn't like the uh, you know two point conversion, the the shotgun run to Jacobs, and because all the success came with you know, the big jumbo line and the fullback. Why not do that in fourth and one? Get the fourth down. You still got you spiked the ball. Still got thirty seconds to go. Get a couple of passes for a field goal attempt. I'm not sure why I need to go. Well, I asked Josh, and he said he, he didn't feel like it was enough time for a run anyway. But they had like 40, I think 47 seconds. So 47 seconds, yeah. They could have ran it and then spiked it maybe with like 20, high 20s maybe. But you don't have any timeouts left, so it's kind of like a, a tricky spot. Um, it's like you have to throw it to sidelines. Because they would only be at like the 50-yard line if they got that on a run, unless he broke a big run or something like that. So it's... I get it. I get throwing it. I just think maybe they sh- maybe they could have ran a, a shallower route pattern. You know, you have a couple guys in Renfro and Adams who are pretty good getting open in, cl- in tight spaces. Maybe run a slant or a quick quicker out route. You know, or you know routes more so to get the yard than to have a big you know explosive play. But I guess hindsight is twenty twenty. If they don't run into each other, maybe that's another fifty yard Devontae Adams touchdown. I mean, and you would think with a seven-man blitz coming, like there there could have been a hot route, like somebody could have just you know come o- open hot. But I mean, obviously, it's hard to see when hard, hard to throw that that hot route when you got seven guys coming rushing after you. So you you do need to get that lofted ball up there, probably. The only other guy that was running the route was Mac Collins, and it, it looked like kind of like a dig route, so that wasn't really like a hot route. That that one also took some time to develop. So like they had basically three slow developing routes. And no other, there was no check down because Jacobs had to stay in the pass protect. Hollins is running shallow, so that might have been an option. But he he had a linebacker he had to get over uh, in the middle of the field before he was going to open up. But yeah, I mean, I I was you know I thought maybe you would have Renfro run a little bit of a shorter route, use his little short area quickness and get open right away. But um, it, it seemed like they were going for the juggler on a on a fourth and one and trying to go for a touchdown to Adams knowing that they would get a cover zero look. Overall, I mean, I kind of like the attitude that they played with, the, the attitude that McDaniels coached with. I mean, just because it seemed like he, he understood you're, you're going in to play the Chiefs in Arrowhead. This is a whole different animal. Like you have to, you have to be aggressive. Like you cannot try to back your way into a win here. And obviously they didn't win. It's hard to win there, but they gave themselves a shot. So, I mean, I think, it's tough when you're one and four. You're really far behind the eight ball. I mean, they're 
they're tied with the Steelers for last place in the AFC. They're one of six teams in the NFL with that's that one win. Um, you know, we'll get into this later, but I think there is some there are some things to build off of here. Um, and, and I do at least like kind of the attitude and the approach that they uh, they came into this game with. Yeah, I guess it's kind of a cliche, but they weren't you know playing not to lose, especially even when they got up. You know, 17-0, it wasn't that they you know started getting conservative. I mean, the Chiefs just kind of went nuclear on offense there, which they tend to do. You know, they stayed aggressive all the way through, which is teams, fan bases typically beg for that kind of thing. And so it's kind of hard to – that's why either one of those those decisions that McDaniels made down there is it's kind of hard to argue against them. That's mentality that they had the whole game, and it had worked for them in sports. Like I said, their first touchdown was on a, a deep shot on a fourth and, inch, fourth and one when they really didn't have to do that. And so, you know, especially for a team that's one and three, you would expect them to play safer, and they kind of did the opposite of that. And I feel like we've been down this path a lot where it's like, you know, you can feel optimistic that, you know, they were right there and as a player too. But at some point, they got to start making this player too, right? <laughs> it's like, you know, you can have 15 closed losses and you're still, you know, two and 15 or whatever. So, and it's weird because last year they had six walk-off wins. You know, that's kind of where they made their bread and, bread and butter. But, you know, that, that stuff usually isn't sticky from year, year to year. You know, just off of luck and the play not going your way or weird calls like we had tonight. Like, sometimes it just doesn't, doesn't go your way. And so it hasn't so far this year. And, and that's been the difference in this team being, you know, maybe, what, four and one right now or something like that. So shit happens sometimes. Yeah, it's kind of funny how the regression of winning a bunch of close games in in one season and the next season losing a bunch of close game always happens and it seems to be happening this season with the Raiders you know that, that's kind of what happens when you play too many close games you have to have some sort of killer mentality and put these teams away you don't want to just continually play in this close game but it's just um, the Raiders haven't been able to become a team where they can con- continually do that and learn how to you know just close games out yeah, I like the killer mentality. I mean, I thought uh, when they were up 14-0 and they went for the field goal, I thought they should have gone for the, for the first down and tried to put their foot on the Chiefs' necks. So I just think the aggression's great, but you got to do it throughout the whole game. You can't really, like, pick and choose your spots if that's going to be your identity as a team. So I think um, cause clearly the Chiefs, like like Deshaun said, their offense is going to wake up at some point. They're going to score points. So you can't have a big enough lead. And in this case, 17-0 was not big enough. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. All right, well, let's talk about one of the, the big storylines league-wide across this game, um, the, the officiating. Uh, just god-awful. Um, the roughing the passer call, you know, Chris Jones flagged for, I mean, what should have been a strip sack. I mean, he, he makes a great play to, to get Carr from behind and take the ball out of his out of his hands. And because he's a 300-plus-pound man and there is gravity in this world, he, he lands on him. Um didn't seem like he landed on him with like full force, but that's just like, where the hell else are you supposed to go? You know, Vic, I know as you wrote that, that ended up being the worst thing. It seemed that could happen to the Raiders. Um, the officials, it seemed like they literally got scared of that crowd. I mean, there's, there's the one time where they, uh, they, they threw a flag and they picked it up and like, you could hear Carl Sheffer's like voice, like just like crack. It sounds like he's like about to cry. Like, I, I don't know what was going on there. We see the defensive holding penalty on a field goal, which you just you never see, um, was completely was phantom call, completely irrelevant to the play. There were other terrible penalties. I mean, the Raiders got away with some other calls. I mean, there was a there was a obvious holding on the Raiders. Uh, I think on that final drive that wasn't called. Um, you know, I think there was a, a Travis Kelsey holding that that was fairly obvious that wasn't called. It was just another day where the NFL officiating was put on blast as is just being pretty bad. And you could argue that that uh, the call on Malcolm Kuntz on the hold on the missed field goal was probably the biggest play of the game. That's a seven point play because the missed field goal. And I haven't seen that. I think I guess I saw it once before in my my time covering the team. But I think the last time they called that in the game was seven years ago. I think Josh Debeau found it out in his research. So it's a defensive hold. Also on the Raiders. Also, same ref, same official, I believe. But uh, it's a call you, Christmas Eve. It's a call you never see, and the, the call there after Miss Fugel, when he had no impact on the play whatsoever, he was not involved in the play at all. It's just kind of, a, it's a bizarre call, and just the timing of it is, is kind of weird. And you gotta think it's a makeup call, and just. I mean, I've been. I remember when they had the uh, you know, no card game. I had to go talk to the official after the game. I was waiting in the hallway. 
these guys do get yelled at by the NFL. So I'm sure there was a call at halftime of this game where they're like, hey, man, what the hell was that call? And the guy, you can't call that. The guy fell down after his trip sack. The thing is, I think the NFL approves of that penalty. I think they like, it seems like they support that call. They want that call. It doesn't seem, you know, we, we saw it in, in the Falcons-Bucks game. I mean, it seems like despite all the outcry, you, you've had both officials come out after the game and like, Arguing supportive. Right, but this is the first one after a strip sack. This one, the guy actually had the ball. He's falling on the quarterback. And I think the quote from the poor reporter was that the car needed the full protection even to the end of the play. Like Even though the guy had the ball and was falling down, the car happened to be under him, the car needed protection from Chris Jones being 300 pounds in that case. So I, I can't believe the league will come out tomorrow. So that was not a good call. But that was carrying this a little too far. I'll be waiting with bated breath. I, I do not think they will come out. They have to because I think they're, they're, they're feeling the heat. This is getting to a point now where there's a lot of concern about concussions. But now where you can't hit a quarterback after you take the ball from him and you, and you fall on him, that's, I mean, it's just, it's just it's getting ridiculous. Do we, do we know if it was a back judge that made the call or was it a, a side judge? I don't fucking know, but whoever made it, a goddamn idiot. <laughs> like I don't. From the back, it'd be pretty hard to see who who had the ball, so and it'd be hard to see then. that Jones had an arm to try to break his fall too. From the back, it'd be pretty impossible to see. The answer is clearly have a replay official watches things that right when it happens. You know what? He fucking had the ball and he fell on the guy. That's not a penalty on him. So I think you have to have guys you can overturn these calls where after it happens if that's the case. College has the targeting penalty, which they kind of if if it's close by default, they they throw it, they call it, it's targeting. But then every one of those gets reviewed because you know it's such a big you know in that case in college, guy gets ejected, whatnot. It would be nice if there could be some kind of quick review process where you could look at these and, and say, okay, like I right, no, like that wasn't that. Like let, let let's pick this up. That call was terrible. Like that's what kind of why I don't really want to hear the. The Coons, about the Coons call too much. It feels like because I mean the, the Chiefs they ended up getting a field goal at the end because Roger Teamer decided to do a horse collar for some reason. The roughing the passer ended up being a wash. I mean they, they get points. the ball at the fifty yard line. I don't know if they come away with a field goal. I think I think they just didn't get it. They didn't get a touchdown at the end of the first half because they didn't have enough time. <laughs> the way the offense started clicking, I feel like if they got the ball to their strip sack, they're probably going in for another one of those Chiefs touchdowns. So. Eh. I guess they're a wash. It comes out even, but it was definitely a poorly officiated game. And even with all that, Raiders still had a couple of chances there at the end to to win it. So it probably makes it sting a little a little bit more. All right, well, let's talk Devontae Adams. You know, I, we've all seen what happened as he was leaving the field, and you know, I know the explanation he gave you guys in the locker room to Sean was that his cameraman was kind of running at him, and I, you know. I don't think he was running at him. I think he was maybe kind of crossing his path and maybe didn't see Devontae coming. And, and Devontae, you know, runs into him, pushes him to the ground. The video does not look good. Uh, you know, he said he immediately regretted it. I don't think he kind of showed any immediate signs of like, oh, let me at least go help the guy up. You know, he, and he admits he was frustrated that it was an unacceptable move. Um, he apologized. I imagine at least a hearty fine is coming his way. Um, you know, we'll see if it's anything worse than that. I think it should be just a, a fine. I mean, from what we know of Adams, he doesn't have a history of, you know, doing Bush League stuff and, you know, crazy retaliations on the field and um, outbursts off the field. So, you know, I, I think it was an uncharacteristic of him. And I believe that he was remorseful of it. And, um, 
yeah, I, I think a fine should be okay. I think a suspension would be a little much. Yeah, I think he was frustrated both, obviously, with what happened on the field, but also um, kind of after that call, the uh, rough and the passer, the first half when the Raiders players were leaving the field, there was some Chiefs fans throwing shit at him, and they were going in the tunnel, that same tunnel. And so probably was hearing some not-so-great things as he was approaching that tunnel again and sees a guy coming at him. You know, I don't know. He wasn't didn't seem like the guy was really running to me, at least on the video. Like, obviously, I couldn't see it from the side angle, but I think just to mix all that together with them also them losing, you know, just kind of boiled over. Um, yeah, I don't think he should be suspended or anything for that. I mean, it's fine. Seems seems just. I mean, he he apologized for it pretty quickly in the locker room. We didn't even really have to ask him about it. You know, I'm sure he was told by somebody also to to speak on that. So it's, it's definitely a bad outburst, but. You know, as as Ted said, I don't think Devontae is that kind of guy where it's not like the, the Draymond situation the other day where a guy <laughs> has done this sort of thing a few times and it's a pretty pretty one time thing for him. Yeah, I agree. I think a fine is enough and Devontae can give him like a signed jersey and some free Taco Bell and it's all good. So I think uh it should not be a big deal. You know, we're gonna get into kind of what to make of this team at, at one and four, but uh before we do, hey, you know, we talk a couple of the positives from this game. Um, there were some signs of life from Chandler Jones, especially early when the Raiders defense got off to that good start that helped them build a 17-0 lead, which obviously, as we said, ultimately was not enough. But um, you know, Chandler Jones was out there making plays. And if this team is going to recover and and kind of bounce back from one and four, and when you look at the next six games on their schedule, nobody that they play in the next six games is is good, quite frankly. Uh, they have an opportunity to make a run here. They're going to need uh, Chandler Jones to play like he did tonight, especially uh, you know in that first half. I mean, next, like I said, next few people on their schedule they suck, you know. So like, if the if the Raiders are this team that you know they say they are, you know, we're good and we're close and all that shit, like they better come out of this at least five hundred this next stretch, right? Going into that, that Broncos game, so like put up or shut up time, man. I mean, starting with the Texans next week after the bye, like they stink. Like you know, so, if they lose to these teams that very clearly and obviously suck, then all the things that they, that we're hearing about them are, are not true. And so, um, but as you said, you know, positive signs. You know, Chandler Jones really got. He didn't have a sack today, but he was getting after Mahomes and helped Crosby get a couple more sacks. So I think he's tied for the league league in sacks right now. Um, so their pass rush came to life a little bit. I thought their secondary held up well pretty much everywhere besides like the red zone against Travis Kelsey. They should remember to cover him. Yeah, next time. yeah, yeah. That might help. Offensively, with Darren Waller, I think only playing six snaps before he hurt his hamstring and left the game, which McDaniel said he doesn't think it was too serious, but something that obviously kept him out of the game. Offensively, they, they, they were pretty productive. They ran the ball really well. Josh Jacobs looks like he's a top five run back again in the league. I don't think it's an uh, you know exaggeration. I mean, he's third in rushing right now. He averaged like seven point three yards per carry in his game, which is like some some college stat line shit. So they have a bunch of like strong individual performances and performers this season, and a lot of talent, as we all know, is just putting it all together and coming out with the win. And so they got a cupcake schedule coming up these next few games. So it's it's like I said, it's time to start getting some W's. It sucks to say, but they're close. You know, they they lose all these close games. They go to Arrowhead, lose a close game. And a funny stat, or uh, maybe not so funny, is uh, they're the first team ever to lose with a 150-yard rusher, a 100-yard receiver, no uh, turnovers, and no more than two punts. First team to ever lose with all those things. 
Patrick Mahomes on the other side. He makes some crazy stats. I'm looking at the schedule. I don't see a cupcake. I mean, I'm going blind, but I don't see a cupcake schedule. We're talking about a one or four. You, you, you like the Saints? I mean, the, the Jags Texans? are. I mean, the, the Saints. The, the Jags are okay. They are. They just lost to the Texans. What you mean? They okay. I mean, New Orleans has always been a tough place to play. I mean, the Raiders are one and four. I don't understand how like they're clearly going to win at New Orleans. They're clearly going to win at Jacksonville. They're clearly going to win at Denver. If they're good, they better. I mean, if they're good, if they're going to be if anything good, they this season, be one and four. if they're good, they wouldn't be one and four. I mean, I, I don't understand how we're like. I, I maybe I'm missing something, but I don't understand how. The I'm not saying they're going to do it 100, percent but I'm saying you look at that that schedule. They should look. Our, our theory is These they're a good. Buns. Our theory is that they're a good one and four team. All right, that's our What's working theory. theory. Okay. Best one and four yes. team ever. <laughs> they might all not right. be good. They might not be good, but. We'll, we'll I mean, know. this stretch is gonna tell we'll us. Know. Like, this stretch is gonna yeah, tell we'll us. Yeah, know for sure. If they can't, if they can't beat up on these teams, then this season's a joke. Yeah, I don't see a loss <laughs> one here until the Chargers. You don't see 13. a loss until what? The next week, week, week thirteen. If they lose any of those games, if they lose, I'm telling you, if they lose any of these games, uh, I'm jumping off. That's it. Seattle with Geno Smith is a. I don't think Seattle's a joke. Geno Smith. No. Yeah, the Jags were awful losing to the Texans, but I mean, they also like put a 38-10 beat down on the Chargers. I mean, the Jags, like, the Jags are, they're, they're fighting. The revenge they're, they're, they're of Zay Jones. Up and down. The revenge of Zay Jones will defeat them in that game. Let me ask you this. When these teams see the Raiders come up next to their schedule, they think, oh, here come the mighty Raiders. Same you better thing. watch out. I mean, no, I think they're like, this team finds a way to lose. They lose games. They lost to the Cardinals. They've been up 17 points twice and lost both games. These teams aren't going to fear the Raiders. I mean, so they cooked. played really well tonight. And what sucks is that they played well enough to win, and they didn't win. So I think they're, like we said before, this team can beat anybody and lose to anybody. So I just think looking at these next six games, whatever it is, and saying they're going to roll, to me, is a pretty big stretch of the imagination. But I'm all for it. If we're saying they're 1-4 and they're the best 1-4 team ever, then I'm giddy up. Let's go. I'm, I'm, I'll jump on board. I don't think you could say that they're going to roll. I think you say there's the opportunity. Like, there's the opportunity, and if if you don't, like, then December December is going to be a long month. Look, Vic, if, they don't, if they're not at least 500 after that stretch, we're going to be looking at Anthony Richardson tape and Will Levis and uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. We're going to be looking at, at a bunch of other games besides radio they, games. They, they already are. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, just kidding. I'm just kidding. Spicy. It's late. It's late night podcast. All right. Well, are you guys ready to hand uh, Josh Jacobs an extension? I just I mean, they've spent so much money on offense already. Is it really possible to give him a contract? Dude, that he's, the best, he's the best player on their offense been, right he's now. He's been great this year, but I'm just saying, look at the offense money they spent already. Trade him then. I don't know. Trade deadline? I don't know. There you go. Tra- I'm not losing him for nothing. You kidding get me? A, get a first-round pick back for him. You know, I don't know what like the going rate for like a pretty good start running back would be. Like, I don't know if he's like breaking the bank. I think I like thirty, forty million next summer, depending on you know how they finagle some numbers and who who stays and who goes at certain positions. Wait, um, you're saying ten million a year? Uh, depends on pricey. the years. It's a little pricey. You know? Depends on the years. For I mean, if, if if you're calling him a top five running back, uh, I mean, I wonder how much trepidation you have when you look at. What they've gotten out of the two other offensive guys they extended, um, Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro, have given them basically nothing this season. Um, it's it's been it's been pretty rough, um, you know, between injuries and uh, Renfro. Even when he's been out there, obviously has not not had a good season yet for them. 
I mean, Devontae Adams had a, I think he looked pretty amazing today between his uh, defensive pass interference, his penalties he drew, and overall this year, like the efficiency has been great, but I mean, he's up there in terms of all the receiving stats, and he's pretty much been what you expect, but it's every, everything else around him is kind of, outside of Josh Jacobs, has been underwhelming. That, that fearsome trio, passing trio, well, for one, we haven't seen it on the field a ton because Renfro missing a couple games, and then Waller only played six, six snaps today, and so. Um, we haven't really seen that 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 passing offense at full force um, and see it click so far. And, you know, maybe they can get back right, use this bye week coming at the right time and come out to break gunning. But, you know, let's put up or shut up time. Like Vic said, like, you know, I mean, I, I'm not saying they're going to do it. I'm just saying if this season has any hope of being something that matters, this is like this. They have to go on a run here. If they don't, they're done. Like it's over. It's cooked. And so we'll find out, starting with the mighty Texans coming to town after the bye. Is this team for real or not? All right, everybody, that'll wrap up our post-game edition here of State of the Nation. The Raiders fall to the Kansas City Chiefs 30-29. to They will have uh, some time to rest up during the bye week. Hopefully, Darren Waller can get healthy and can get back on track with Derek Carr. Uh, Raiders definitely need, uh, need more options on that offense, um, and uh, we'll see what can happen. Raiders climbing into the bye uh, at 1-4, and four, crawling into the bye at 1-4, and four, and... Um, See what they can do coming out of it. We'll talk to you guys later. These teams are buns.